I'm glad to be back today, and we are going to wrap up this series we've kind of been doing for the last several weeks, talking about living with disruption, because here's what we all know. We have been living with massive disruption for the last couple years. We all want it to be behind us, and then we hear experts telling us that we could still deal with disruption for the foreseeable future. We could deal with recession. We've been in inflation and gas prices. Thankfully, they've been coming down. I think it's because of the series, so you're welcome. We're really glad we did this series, and the gas prices are going down, and, uh, but we know that we're living in kind of tumultuous times, and a lot of times it brings a lot of fear, it brings a lot of panic to us, and if you think about the last couple years and really what we've been in, we've kind of been in survival mode. I don't know if it's felt like that to any of you. I mean, you think about when you have quarantine and you have lockdowns and you got mandates and you got all this stuff. It kind of feels like, you know, you're just trying to survive. It's felt like that for several years now. And, and, and like we're trying to emerge beyond it. And all of a sudden now economically they're talking about things. And here's what I want us all to understand. Um, the mindset of somebody in survival mode. When you and I get into survival mode, here's what we immediately start doing. We, we start thinking, I need to preserve what I have. I need to protect what I've got. And I need to fight for what I need. This is what it means to be in survival mode, right? I'm gonna preserve what I have, I'm gonna protect it, and I'm gonna fight you for what I need. I mean, just think about what it was like, especially when we went into the pandemic, is, we all moved into survival mode. Now here's what's interesting about survival mode. God has created you and me to have a survival mode. You know that, right? Like if you ever get freaked out, you ever get threatened, all of a sudden there's things in your body that just begin to change. There's certain chemicals that get released in the brain. One of them is called cortisol. Cortisol is designed to cause you in moments of threat and panic to stop thinking about all the things that you would normally think about in life and only focus on that threat. That's what cortisol does. And so all of a sudden your focus, it narrows up and all of a sudden you go, okay, I'm just thinking about this one thing in front of me that, that is scaring me to death and what do I need to do to survive in this mode? And if I could just say, it kind of feels like even we've been in this collective cultural cortisol high where we've kind of culturally been in survival mode for the last couple years. And one of the things I've discovered about survival mode is that you stop living because you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to deal with what's in front of you. And I think, I wonder how many of us, and we don't even realize it because it's been a journey and it's been so long, but we kind of stop living and we start just thinking about survival. And here's what I have discovered about survival mode, this is really important, is that if we're not careful, we'll actually move further and further into an extreme. L let, me, let me say it this way. During times of disruption, we tend to move toward extremes. Okay, let me give you an example. Uh, one extreme, this is what people have tend to move to, is when there's not enough and everything's disrupted, we think, I've got to survive and so all of a sudden we start thinking, get as much as I can. I'm gonna stockpile the toilet paper in my basement just in case. We, we start to prep everything. How many have ever seen the TV show Preppers? Raise your hand if you've ever seen Preppers, okay? 
Like every time I watch Preppers, I haven't seen it in a while, but every time I watch Preppers, can I just be honest with you, I feel really unprepared. I mean, I look at these people and you, they, go, they got these rooms in the basement or cellar and they're just lined wall to wall with canned goods. And all of they got, they've got an armory, they've got an arsenal, they've got everything you can imagine. And I just think to myself, I, I, don't, I don't even have a backup of, of, of tuna fish or in the main pantry. Like, what are we going to do? I, it makes me feel terrible about myself. I think, I need to go put in a bunker shelter just in case we have nuclear fallout. I, this is what I think about when I watch it, right? What, what, what is it? Maybe some of you are preppers. Can I just say this? Preppers go to this real extreme, and they are prepared for anything, they're prepared for a zombie apocalypse, okay? They've got special weapons just for that. They're prepared if Russia attacks. They've got, they're prepared for everything. That's one extreme. Sometimes you think about extremes. I was thinking about a movie. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Contagion. Anybody see the movie Contagion? It came out about 10 years ago. It's just, it's, it's just this far-fetched, ridiculous movie about a virus happening and just shutting down the world and uh, people can't get stuff anymore. It's just crazy stuff, you know, it's not real life. And, um, but what happens in this movie, it is a little more extreme than life was, you know, two years ago, but, but they can't get anything and they shut down the city and neighbors are breaking into each other's houses and they're killing each other over some food and basic necessities, right? I, th- I think we could all agree, uh, that's one massive extreme. But here's what I want us to understand about getting into survival mode if we're not careful. Survival mode can lead to a scarcity mindset where, where we actually begin to live and approach life thinking there's not going to be enough. There, there'll never be enough. We start to just kind of get into this world where I get as much as I can for me and I gotta hold it all in and we start to think and live as though there just isn't gonna be enough and we don't even realize it, but fear begins to take root in our lives. That's one extreme, that's one extreme. The other extreme in times of disruptions could be to go the other way, which is to ignore it completely. What, what? What are you talking about, recession? I don't, there's not going to be a recession. There's no, I mean, I, I've been watching my stuff on the stock market, and it's just been climbing every single year. And, you know, and it's to put your head in the sand, and it's like not even pretend that, that we're, we're, the gas prices are going up, the food prices are going up, and don't change anything in your lifestyle to accommodate. And it's just like, come, it, there's always going to be more. There's plenty. This is not going to last for that. And, and sometimes that can be kind of an extreme. What I want is, in times of disruption, is I want to live a balanced and a wise, I want to live with a wise posture. And I want to talk today, as we close out the series, how do I live with a wise posture in life? Okay, what is it that I can do? And I've got a verse for us today that I think is so important that I want you to get your Bible, and I want you to turn there. It's just one simple verse, and it's found in Proverbs chapter 22 Verse 3. Proverbs 22, verse 3. Do me a favor. Turn to the person that's sitting next to you and tell them, you need to know. Go and tell them. Proverbs 22, 3. You need to know. Proverbs 22, 3. Okay, where are we? We're Proverbs what? Say it out loud. Proverbs 22, verse 3. It's a really important verse. Okay, what does it say? It says this. A prudent person 
foresees danger and takes what? Everybody say that out loud. Takes precautions. But the simpleton, I know that's not a word we use today, but it's a simple-minded or a, we could say a foolish person goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. What does a wise or a prudent, a smart person do? They foresee danger. They can see it coming. Now listen, you don't have to be a genius right now to foresee that we could be headed toward recession. When inflation's on the rise and food price, my gosh, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm just shocked by how much food keeps going up and up and up, okay? Like, it, it, you don't have to be a financial expert to look at it and go, oh, this is not good. We don't have supply. We've got a lot of people wanting to buy. That We're headed for something that could be bad, okay? You don't have to be brilliant, but you should be wise. What does a wise or a prudent person do? They foresee the danger and they take precautions. I'm not going to go blindly forward because that's what a foolish person or a simple-minded person does. They just ignore it. They go blindly forward and right into the consequences. Okay? So here's what I really believe and what I want to do in this season. This is something I think we should all believe in this season. I want to give you a thought, just a phrase today. You're going to write this down. This is what I want for you, I want for me in a season of disruption, especially when it comes to finances. And that is this. I want us to be prepared without being scared. It's real easy. Be prepared without being scared. I want everybody to say it out loud with me. What are we gonna be? We are gonna be, be prepared without being scared. That, that I, I don't wanna live like a prepper in the sense that Fear has gripped my life, and I don't actually live life. I'm spending half of it in my bunker thinking something might happen. I don't want to live like that. But I also want, don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to walk into what could be a very trying season without being prepared. I'm going to be prepared without being scared. So here's what I want to do today. We said this is going to be really practical. I want to give you three ways that you can be prepared for economic disruption. How, and by the way, it doesn't have to be a recession because here's what I've discovered. All of us will go through times of economic disruption. It, it just takes one little thing, by the way, to set everything off. And, and that could be global and we could feel it nationally. But it could be one little thing. You could have one thing break in your house and it sink you. you. You can have one person in the household get laid off and all of a sudden you're dealing with economic disruption. You, you could have anything happen. And so here's three things that I believe that if we apply, especially in these seasons, will help us to be prepared in times of economic disruption. The first one is this, and they're real short, so you can write them down. The first one is this, spend less it's so easy. I, in fact, I'm going to give you three points, but six words. That's it. That's all you got to write down. The first one's just two words. Spend less. Now, I know that is something we, none of us want to do. Um, we, we love to buy things, especially here in America. I'm speaking primarily to, right? The idea of spending less, just, if, if maybe when you hear that, just something inside of you dies. It, it's because... You and I are like wired in a way, and let's be honest, most of us blessed in a way that when we want something, we figure out a way to get it. When we want something, we buy it. 
right? If I want a new pair of shoes, I'm getting a new pair of shoes. If I want to get a new car, hey, if I can afford the payment, I'm getting a new car. Even if it extends my payments by another two or three years, but it doesn't affect me right now, I can get it right now, right? We want to go on that spontaneous girls trip on the weekend, and we're just going to go. We're going to do it, right? We, we, we often are, are spenders. By the way, you probably know this, our entire economy is built upon you and me spending money, right? It really is. That's why we're dealing with inflation right now. And um, here's what I've discovered. In times of disruption, we really want to spend money. We do. I figured that out myself. It's called retail therapy. When something happens in your life, it's really therapeutic to buy things, isn't it? Makes you feel good. I'll give you an example. A couple weeks ago, um, our family got to go on a trip out west, got to go visit my brother's family in Utah. It was gorgeous, by the way. Oh, first time in Utah, and I loved it. Loved it. And then we got to drive across the Rocky Mountains to Colorado where I got to participate and officiate Tucker Johnson and Anna Johnson now's wedding, which was incredible. They're worship leaders in our church. It was a really cool experience. We had a wonderful time. It was this long trip. Finally, we're ready to come home. After, I think, 11 days, we're, we're ready to come home. And we're on our way to the airport when I get a message that our flight was canceled for the second time on this trip, and it was rebooked to the next day, and we were gonna, supposed to fly out Sunday night, or Saturday night now, instead of Friday, and not get in until Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And I'm like, that's not gonna work. We got church, and I had a whole group of us, there's five of us, one of them was a drummer for that weekend, all this stuff, okay? And so I'm like, no. So I get on the phone, and I'm dealing with the airline, and we get everything changed around to where we're gonna leave the next day from a different airport, and we kept our rental car and had to go get another hotel and drive to it. I mean, it was just a massive traveling disruption. And what it did was it gave us a bunch of time. And so we're driving toward our other destination and we see uh, outlet malls right off the freeway. (laughs) And my wife sees a store, a particular store, and she says, I've got a bunch of things to return to that store. We've got time to kill. We should return the stuff. So I'm like, all right, it makes sense. We pull over, get off the freeway, and... uh, We started shopping. Let me just say, we bought all kinds of stuff. We didn't have room in our suitcases to spare. We were worried about being over the weight limit before this. That did not stop us. I got new shoes. I mean, it was great. The the girls got new purses. By the way, we never made it to that store to return the goods. (laughs) Never happened. We just bought more stuff. And um, why? Because it felt good. In the midst of disruption, it feels good to buy stuff. It really does. And sometimes I think we, we live like we're kings. We live like we're kings that have unlimited resources because we live like Solomon. Here's what Solomon said. Let me read this to you. Here, here, Solomon describes um, his approach to spending in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 10. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired and I refused my heart no pleasure. How many of us would go, yeah, that's me. When it comes to buying stuff, spending money, this is what we'd say, I I just will spend anything and everything to buy what I need to buy. And in times of disruption, listen, these are the times where honestly, and this is the hard part, because by the way, can I just say, this is a lot easier to say than it is to live. I know this is simple. Some of you are like, what? Spend less? Come on, man. I could have, 
I, I could get advice like this anywhere. I know, I know. It, it is really simple, but it's hard to do. That's what I'm trying to say. Some more wisdom uh, out of Proverbs 21, verse 20. I love this verse, though. It, it says this, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man does what? Everybody say that word. The foolish man spends whatever he gets. Whatever I get paid, I spend it. Isn't that what it means to have a balanced checkbook? <laughs> if I bring in $500, I should spend $500 and end up at zero, balanced. That's not what it means, okay? And, and a lot of times we don't realize this, but we don't change our behavior in times of disruption. We just keep spending and it could actually be foolish when we don't know what's coming. But here's what a wise person does. We've already learned this, right? A prudent person foresees the danger and takes precautions. And so they decide that I'm going to spend less. I didn't say stop. I just said maybe we should spend a little bit less. Can I give you some practical ideas on how you can do that? Because I think sometimes we hear that. We go, oh, pastor says i got to stop spending money. No, no, no. You, you can spend money, but be wise about it. Be wise as we look at the times. So I wrote down just a few ideas that maybe help you. Because I wanted this to be practical. Uh, you all know Christmas is coming, right? It's coming in I don't know how many days. Probably Pastor Zach knows. He keeps keep track of those kind of things. But uh, Christmas is coming. Here's an idea. Just an idea, right? What if you made a plan that you're only going to spend so much on each person? I know some of you go, we do that every year. I know, but you don't actually keep to it. <laughs> I know this, okay? I don't wonder how I, how does he know? Because I deal with it too, right? But what if you just decided ahead of time, and way in advance, and you told your family and your friends, hey, listen, we're not like the cranks. We are going to celebrate Christmas, but we're trying to be financially wise in this season, and so we've decided that we're gonna actually limit our spending a little bit. And so rather than trying to keep up with everybody else, but yeah, but she always gives us really expensive gifts, and so we've got to, it's like, yeah, no, but she makes a lot more money than I do. So instead of doing that, you, you could just say, hey, we're, gonna, we're just gonna limit it. We're still gonna celebrate. We're still gonna buy people's gifts. We're gonna be really thoughtful, and we're gonna start now because, because we wanna be wise about it, but you can actually let people know and know why you're doing it, and then they won't think you're a cheapskate. They actually think you're smart. Oh, man, maybe we should do that. Okay, so that's just one simple. I, I know, I know. Christmas is coming. Um, vacations. Most of us maybe had a great vacation this summer. We got off vacation, and, and all of a sudden, what do you do when you get off vacation? You start planning your next vacation. Well, what if you th said, um, hey, next year, instead of all of us flying down to this um, one beach down in the Caribbean where we wanted to go and we love it, we all this, what if this particular coming year you said, hey, let's take a vacation, but let's do it a little bit differently just this year? Why? Because we don't know what's coming. And so, you know, we're going to drive and we're going to stay in this one place. We have always wanted to go to a, the mountains. We're going to go stay in this cabin. We found one. It's, it's expensive. And you could, you could save and you could say, we're going to plan to cut costs for vacation next year. Now, what if recession doesn't come? Well, that'd be great. You'll have this thing called a surplus. And so when you're on vacation, you can really enjoy it, okay? But, but not knowing, we're going to be wise, we're going to foresee it, and we're going to take precautions. I know some of these things are just really crazy. Here's a few things. You could eliminate some unnecessary streaming services. And you say, but there are no unnecessary <laughs> streaming services. Like, 
how do I know which one's unnecessary? I mean, I've got to have YouTube TV, and then, and then I've got Netflix, and then I've got Amazon Prime Video, and we've got Paramount Plus, and we've got Hulu, and we've got HBO Max, and we've got Disney Plus, and we've got, okay. So which one is unnecessary? How about the last one that you logged into that was the oldest, maybe is unnecessary? Okay, these are just some small things. Maybe you go, let's just cut back on a couple of them for a season. Hey, if it's all good and everything's good and we're doing well, then maybe we'll add them back in, but maybe for a season. We're not going to cut them all out. I'm not saying just a few of them, right? Here's another crazy one. You could downgrade your internet from 400 megabits per second to 100 I know, I know, it just feels like we're going back to the dark ages. You're like, how can we live with 100 megabits? And if you're not sure how to live, why don't you do this? Ask your parents what it was like to have dial-up, and ask your grandparents what it was like to live without the internet. And they can tell you that they survived. Okay, just a few simple ideas. Pastor Russ, no one's writing them down. I don't think they like these ideas. You could pack your lunch a few, few times each week instead of going out every single week. By the way, also a healthier option. There's so many things that we could do. You could limit the number of times you go out as a family every single week. I know, it sounds miserable, but here's what we want to be. We want to be wise. I don't want to be unprepared. I'm not going to be a prepper and be a, live in fear, but I'm not also wanting to be unprepared for what could come. And so, so we may take a posture of I'm going to spend less. Now, why in the world would we ever spend less? Maybe it's so we could do the second thing. You're never going to guess what it is. Save more. You got it. Like, this is such an easy message. I know, but most of us won't do it. What if we spent less, but what if we also saved more? Let's, let's look again at Proverbs 21.20. Again, maybe you missed this part of it because we focused on the second half of it. Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise man does what? Everybody say that out loud. The wise man Come on, say it again. The wise man the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Right? A wise person, they, they don't spend it all, but they save. And in times of disruption, or we're maybe headed into recession. Let's hope not. Inflation coming down. Maybe we won't head into recession, okay? But what do we do when we foresee danger is that maybe we would save a little bit more. Now, before we go any further, let me pause and ask a really simple question. Are you saving at all? Maybe that's a better place to start. Because I find that um, a lot of times it's really hard to save when we spend it all. But you know that most Americans don't have any savings at all. Not even an emergency fund. They have zero savings whatsoever. Now, if you've been a part of this church, we will challenge you and encourage you, and we will give you Financial Peace University and things, and we will constantly challenge you. You need to have an emergency fund. You need to be saving money. And here's what I know. None of us like saving money, right? When you were a kid and your parents gave you a piggy bank for your Sixth birthday, and they're like, here, whenever you get money, stick it in the pig. And it's like, I hate that pig. That pig, I just shake the pig, and I hear the money in the pig. But I never get to do anything with the money in the pig. I hate the pig. You know what I found as adults? We hate the pig, too. We don't like saving. I was like, why? I got all this money in the savings account. What am I supposed to do with it? I want to do something with it. Because you save it. Because, listen, there could be times when you need it. I know, I know, some of you are like, this is so simple, it's kind of stupid. 
But there's a reason why in Scripture, in Proverbs, that it is given to us over and over again. It's because though it is simple, it's not easy to do. And if there's ever a story that teaches us the importance and the power that could save us in times of massive disruptions, it's found in Genesis 41. And Genesis 41 is a story, uh, the king of Egypt at the time, one night, has these two dreams, these vivid dreams that startle him, wake him up. He can't sleep. He's stressed. It's like, you ever have a dream where you're like, okay, that felt like something. That, That wasn't just like one of those weird dreams. Like, I felt like that meant something. Well, he felt like that because they did. They were from God. And so he gets all the magicians in his, in his, in his empire, and he says, tell me what these dreams mean, and none of them can explain it. And finally, they get this young Hebrew man, and they bring him before the king. And this young Hebrew man, his name was Joseph, and God had given him a spiritual gift of being able to understand and interpret dreams. And so the Pharaoh tells him these dreams that he has, and when Joseph hears them, God gives him the interpretation of it. And based on the interpretation, he gives this advice to the king of Egypt, Genesis 41, verse 33. He says to him, therefore, Pharaoh... You should find an intelligent, and notice this, a wise man, and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then the Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect how much? How much was it? Everybody say it out. Collect one-fifth. Now, do I have any really, really smart math people that can convert that over to a decimal? 20%. Okay, thank you. One-fifth or 20% of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring them into Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it. Man, maybe that's a message for some of us. You got a savings account? Guard it. Don't drain it. Don't just, I have an emergency. I need to buy this. Swing by this. No, guard it. So there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Now listen, God not only gave Joseph the supernatural ability to interpret the dream, but listen, God gave Joseph supernatural wisdom on how to handle it. Both were from God. And what did, what did God tell Joseph to give him, hey, to give Pharaoh? He said, 20%. You should save back 20% of all that comes in in the good times so that you'll have something during the lean times. 20%. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? I want you to think about it. If you brought home, combining your income, $100,000 a year, save $20,000. That's a lot. Saving 20%. Like some of you go, that seems insane. That seems crazy. You know, I was curious, like, okay, that's fine. It's an old Bible story. Like, you know, that makes sense for maybe in that time. He was trying to deal with something. I was just curious, like, what do financial experts today, living in our world, our economy, what do they say that we should save? And so I asked Google. I just simply went on there and I said, how much money should you save? And the very first answer that came up, from an organization called TIAA, it's a financial institution. Do you know what it said? It said, experts say you should save at least 20% of your income. And almost every site I went to, guess what experts said? These are not people who are reading the Bible. 
okay? These are financial experts today in our world. They said you should save at least 20% of your income. I was like, wow. So maybe when God gave this to Joseph 4,000 years ago, it was actually really wise, and it would maybe even translate to us today. Save 20%. I know that seems like a lot. But can I ask you this question? Just real simple. Why is it wise to save for the future? Why is it wise to save for the future? I'll give you two quick little answers that I believe. Why is it wise to save for the future? Because when it comes to the future, you know it's coming, but you don't know what's coming. Think about the future. You know it's coming, but you don't know what's coming. Right? Here's the thing about the future, I can promise you. It's always coming. Right? The future is always coming. So what does that mean? I know what's coming. Well, I know Christmas is coming. Right? We know every year. It surprises us, but every year it's the same day on the calendar, December 25th. And it always seems to shock us, and we're never prepared for it. You know it's coming, so what? You could actually save for it. Or you got kids that are in sports, and they played sports in the last season, and your kid loves it, and they've been playing it all summer long in the backyard, and guess what? They're going to want to play it again in the fall. You know they want to do sports. You know your daughter wants to do gymnastics. You know that she wants to play volleyball. So what do you do? You save for it so that you'll be ready to pay the bill. I mean, this is not like rocket science. Like, you could figure this out, right? You know tuition is coming. You know retirement is coming. Here's the thing about the future. We know it's coming. So be wise, be prepared, and save for it. But here's the thing about the future. You also don't know what's coming. That's the unique thing about the future. You know it's coming, but you also don't know what's coming. In other words, you, you don't know what emergencies. Back in 2019, we didn't know 2020 was coming. And even though we get through a lot of the virus stuff, we didn't know that supply issues were coming. We, we didn't know that inflation was coming. We didn't know that, that there are things that are coming. There are emergencies that are always coming. They're always coming. That's why we always will encourage you. The wise thing to do, have an emergency fund. Continue to build up the emergency fund. Put money in the pig. You're going to need it one day. In fact, I found this out just before we left for our trip two weeks ago. And it was 90-some degrees, really hot. My wife said to me on a Friday, right before we're supposed to leave, she said, it's getting hot in our house. Like hot in our house. And I could see the thermostat was set on one thing, but the temperature was on another, and it was not keeping up, and it normally keeps up, and all of a sudden realized, hey, the air conditioning's not working. And so I had to call a company to come out that day and take a look at it, because if you want to talk about an emergency, an emergency is when it's 90-some degrees and humid, and the air conditioning's not working. That's an emergency. And they came out, and they had to replace this one little part that, by the way, I found out cost $25 on Amazon, and they charged me 400 but that's what happens when you don't know how to fix your own stuff. And so I had to pay $400 to get the air conditioning working. Why? Because emergencies happen. And so we need to be prepared for the emergencies. See, we, we could be in a season where we might go into recession. We might not. It could last for six months. It could last for a year. It could last for two years. We don't know. What's the best thing to do right now? I'm going to spend a little less. Maybe I'm going to save a little bit more. And some of you go, oh, well, we don't really save anything now. Well, okay, spend less and start saving. 
You, you know, when it comes to savings, this is what I like to say is, it's a lot like that old adage with a tree. You know, the best time to have planted a, a tree in your yard was, what, 20 years ago? You know, the second best time to plant a tree was to, to have a tree in your yard is to plant it today, right? It's the same thing with saving, okay? It would, the best time to save for the future was yesterday. Second best time to save for the future is today. And so I, I just want to really encourage you that we, we're going to, maybe in this season, this is just something for you to think about today. Because I want to be prepared without being scared. I'm not going to live fearful but I'm actually going to be wise, and I'm going to spend less, and I'm going to save more. And then I want to give you the third and the final thing, two more words. Give generously. Give generously. Here's what I have found, that when our lives get disrupted, when our economic lives get disrupted, here's what I have discovered that most of us will do. We don't stop with our spending. We don't spend less, we give less. The first thing that we do when we see everything getting tight is we don't change our spending habits, but we do change our giving habits. Yeah, when things were good, I was giving, and I, was, I give a little bit of work to this nonprofit, and I give to the church here, and I like to, you know, when I, someone's in need, I want to always be able to round up and give and do all that stuff. And then the moment there's disruption, what do we do? Cortisol, cortisol, cortisol. We shrink in, and we start just focusing on survival. I'm just going to think about myself. I'm going to think about us. I'm just going to survive. I'm going to survive. I'm going to survive. And I understand that. But we're also not meant to live with cortisol rushing through our brains. It's actually damaging. It's only meant to deal with an immediate thing. But if you continue to live like that, we wonder why anxiety has been on the rise. It's because we've been living with high levels of cortisol. We've been living in survival mode. We've been living in freak out. i got to protect. i got to hold on. I'm going to fight for what's mine. And the first thing to go is usually not our spending. It's our giving. But here's what I want to tell you. If there's anything in our finances that we do not, cannot afford to stop doing in a season like this, it's giving. If there's anything you can't afford not to do, is to give. Why? Because of the promise that's attached to giving. Because of what we're actually going to lose out on from what God wants to show us. In fact, I want to show you this passage, if I could, in 2 Corinthians 9. The Apostle Paul was actually taking up a special offering from the churches. That's something, by the way, we do once a year. We do it in December every single year. We finish our year by giving to God above and beyond. That's an offering, above and beyond. It's just total free will. But we do it so that we can continue to make an impact as a church in this community. We do it so we can continue to give away money and help those in need to do things like we gave to Ukraine. We've done all kinds of things. We give to ministry partners. We give 10000 to this one and 10000 to this one. We do all of that because of the generosity of our people. And so here's Paul who's talking to the church, and he was taking up this special offering to help other people who are going through economic hardship. And he gives us a bit of advice when it comes to this idea of generosity. He says this in verse 6, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap how? Would we all say it out loud? We'll reap what? Sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap how? Generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, this is something that we choose to do. This isn't you have to. This is I get to. 
But God loves it when we do it with the right heart, when we do it in a cheerful way, when it's like, oh, I know I want to be generous. I want to live a generous life. Look at this, verse 8. This is the promise. And God is able to what? Can you all say that out loud? God is able to? Oh, God is able to what? Come on, say it like we want it. God is able to? I want God to bless my life. I really do. Okay, well, here's the key. God is able to bless you when you sow generously. And I love this. He can bless you abundantly. Here, this was important. So that in all things, and notice this, at what? At all. In the good seasons, but also in the lean seasons. When the economy's good and when it's in recession. That God is able to bless you in all seasons, in all the good times, having all that you need so that you will abound for every good work. Here's what I, I love this. Okay, the same God who was the one who predicted the famine coming to Egypt, who is the same God who brought the famine to Egypt, is also the same God that has the ability to bless your finances when you are a good steward with them. God is able to bless us at all times, but it goes back to that verse 6. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you give very little, because i got to keep it all for me, because I'm worried I'm not going to have enough. When you live with that mindset for so long, go into survival mode, scarcity mindset, you actually don't realize, but you stop the flow of God's favor in your life. And if there's any time when you need God's favor in your finances more, it's during a recession. It's during it. That's why we often will tell people when we help people get out of debt, and we have something called Financial Peace University that we do every single year. And if you're someone who's going, man, I'm just trying to figure out my finances, let me just tell you in advance for when you hear us announce that next, you need to be ready and signed up. But here's what I've found. Most people that are drowning in debt and we want to help you get a plan to get out of debt so you can get free financially. You know one of the things that we'll often tell people to do? I know it doesn't make sense in the natural. And it doesn't feel. It's like, I've just, I got to take every little penny that I have and I got to try to figure out how to get myself out of this situation that I got into. I understand that. But I will stand here today and tell you, the first thing I would always do is make sure that I honor God with the first fruits of my increase. Even if I'm drowning in debt, I'm gonna put God first. I'm gonna take the first 10%, the tithe, and I'm gonna honor God with it in my season of debt, in a season of recession, in a season. I'm gonna honor God. And when it comes time to do offerings, I'm gonna be generous. And at work, when there's an opportunity to help somebody and we're all gathering money, I'm gonna be generous. And when I see somebody on the street corner who doesn't have anything and God prompts my heart and I don't know their situation, but I'm gonna go be generous because I'm not gonna live a small life I'm going to live in such a way that I trust God. And I love, I love verse 8. Verse 8, there was a promise that all times, in all times, that's even in recession. And listen, the key to God's favor is to be a good steward with what God has given you. Be a good steward. Maybe even in this season. Because here's what I've discovered. A scarcity mindset will cause you to live a small life. Let me say it again. A scarcity mindset will cause us to live a small life. I, I don't want to live a small life. I don't know about you. I don't want to live full of fear. 
I don't, I don't want to live hunkering down thinking about me, myself, and I. I, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live afraid of what's going to happen. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen in the recession if it does happen. I'm not afraid. Why? Because the economy and the government and my job, that is not my, that's not my provider. Jesus is my provider. And I trust in Jesus. And I rely upon him. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be faithful with what he's given me. So what does that mean? I might spend a little bit less in the season. I might save a little bit more. But I'm going to continue to give generously. I'm going to continue to give generously. And oh, by the way, let me just say this about disruption. I actually think that when we, as his followers, do that, I actually think that it presents possibly the greatest opportunity for the church. Because when everybody is struggling and their, their recession is hitting and people don't know where they're going to get their next meal from and people aren't sure how they're going to keep their rent and people don't know what's going to happen... Is there not a better time for the church of Jesus Christ to be able to stand up and say, we're going to give generously to our community, that we're going to help those in need, we're going to bless those who are struggling? Is there any, maybe even times of disruption, are the times when God wants to use his church to do the most, to spread the message of hope through Jesus Christ? It might actually be that God will allow disruption so that we would maybe turn back to him. So, listen, I'm going to be prepared without being scared. I'm not afraid of what's coming. Because my God, he is bigger than anything I'm going to face. I'm going to be wise. What does the prudent person do? Last thing, prudent person. They foresee danger and they take precautions. It's the foolish person that goes blindly on to reap the consequences. And so I want us to be wise. But I don't want us to live in fear. Amen, church? Come on, you all stand to your feet with me as we close. As we close out this series, maybe today you're here, but inside there's a little bit of anxiousness over what we're facing. Maybe inside you feel a little bit afraid. Maybe when you look at your financial situation right now, you're like, it's not good. Like, I can't save anything. I've been trying to reduce my spending, but I'm just freaking out right now. Can I, can I just say that I believe that God in his spirit wants to minister because fear is not of God. And perfect love dries out fear. And if there's anything maybe that we need today, we need his presence. We need to know the love of God. We need to know, what does that mean? It means that God loves you so much that as you're, as, as you're his son and his daughter, he says, I want to take care of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you in this season if you'll trust me. So would you bow your heads? Let's just turn to God right now in this moment. Father, we come to you so grateful that you're a God who loves your children. You love your people. God, I, I pray right now for those maybe in our midst that though we may not show it on the outside and we try to hold it all together on the inside that maybe honestly we're we're living a little fearful. That God, we, we've been living a small life. We've been just thinking, how do I survive and how do I get what I can for me rather than thinking that I'm gonna trust in you, God, and that I am gonna put you first and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be generous in the season. God, I'm gonna be wise, but, but God, I just pray right now that you would just come over every person by your spirit 
that God, your love would fill our hearts, that God, we would know how much you love us in this season. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.